Heyo, and welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together, we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I am your host, Derek Malenzak, and this is episode 87 of the podcast. And welcome back from an extra long holiday weekend. I hope you are stuffed with all of the foods that you enjoy from the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the College Student Success Podcast. I am your host, Derek Malenzak, and I am happy to be with you today to bring you an interview. Uh, It's going to be mostly the interview today. I don't have much else to talk about, so let's just get to it. Uh, So the person I'm going to be interviewing today is, her name is Yael Shai, and she is the author of a new book called What Now? Meditation for Your 20s and Beyond, and is also the founder and director of Mindful NYU, the largest campus-wide meditation initiative in the country, and also serves as the senior director uh, of the Center for Global Spiritual Life at NYU. So I really enjoyed the conversation that Yael and I had. I think uh, really just kind of stands alone, speaks for itself. I don't have to do too much else uh, introduction other than I kind of see this as a follow-up interview to the one uh, from a few weeks ago with Dr. Holly Rogers of Duke University talking about mindfulness. And if you enjoyed that episode, I think you'll really get a lot out of this one as well. And I like how we started started talking sort of big picture a few weeks ago with what mindfulness is. And then this week, we take it to a more specific form of mindfulness uh, in terms of talking about meditation. And I've been, you know, talking about yoga as well for myself. And I bring that up here as well, because I just can't help myself. Uh, So without any further ado, Yael and Derek, take it away. Welcome to the College Student Success Podcast. I have with me today Yael Shai, who is the author of the new book, What Now? Meditation for Your 20s and Beyond. Welcome to the podcast today, Yael. Thank you so much. So as I kind of do with with guests when they come on and uh, they're new, I was hoping you could maybe just give us a little bit uh, about you, your background, uh, what you're doing these days, how you came to be interested a little bit in meditation. Yeah, sure. Um, so I am, my day job is that I run our spiritual life center at New York University. It uh, is a, one of the largest spiritual life centers at any college in the country. And that's sort of by virtue of us having just such a huge population, but also uh I think a very uh, well-resourced place that the university administration has really seen the value of spiritual life for college students. And so we've benefited from that enormously. So what we do here is we oversee all of religious life on campus. We do a lot of interfaith work and we have the largest campus-wide mindfulness initiative in the country that's called Mindful NYU. So that's that. And I, um, I've been here at NYU since actually 2007. But uh, the, the Spiritual Life Center has been in existence since 2012. And I uh, recently wrote this book that you mentioned, and I wrote it particularly for not just my students that I see every day that are facing a whole lot of 
stress, anxiety, um, difficulties dealing with everyday life, as well as balancing that with what they're going to do when they graduate and their course load. But I also wrote it for um, me when I was for the me that went through college and had a really hard time in college. And I got into meditation when I was in college, when I was really suffering and having a really hard time. And so um, so I, I decided to write this book in sort of a memoir style, but also including a, a lot of wisdom from different wisdom traditions, Buddhism and psychology and drawing together these sources to help people in their 20s facing these difficulties, having a hard time, trying to figure out who they are, and that could really use uh, a guide or a, a friend in that process. Yeah, I can definitely uh, agree with you having, you know, working on a college campus as well, a large one at, at Rutgers, and um, seeing, you know, the stress, and I guess I'm a source of that as an instructor, but... Um, <laughs> You know, I definitely encourage students to, you know, kind of seek out whatever kind of, um, you know, stress management kind of techniques work for them. And, and I think meditation would be a, a good one. Um, before we get into, like, why it would be good, let's maybe start a little basic, like, with what it is. Because um, I'm sure there are people out there that think they know what it is and, and maybe have a slightly off idea or some that are just no idea or some that, you know, are really into it but could want, might want to hear your definition. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so um, meditation definitely can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, what it is not is just that like one, I would say, um, stereotype of this guy in a kind of pretzel like posture at the top of a mountain with like a flowy beard named rain, you know, and doing ohms and crossing and closing his eyes and, you know, crossing his legs. So sure, that can be meditation. But I think what what really the practice is, is a um, a way of stopping what you're doing, dropping into the present moment, being present, in some ways, kind of showing up for life as it's happening when it's happening and the way that we do that the, the different kind of modalities by which we do that are the different meditation practices so that might be a seated meditation where you're just trying to for a little period of time really pay attention to the breath as it moves through your body um, and that way you're pulling yourself out of just that non-stop stream of thoughts that most of us have. Um, but it also could be another meditation technique that I talk about in the book is walking meditation, paying attention to your, your steps as you take them, eating meditation, and, uh, and different types of practices like that that help to bring our attention to the present moment um, to, to really be with what is. Yeah. So I had um, somebody from uh, Duke University, Dr. Holly Rogers, on a, a couple episodes ago talking about mindfulness and some techniques. So to kind of, you know, give the listeners um, an understanding of the relationship between mindfulness and meditation, would you say it's sort of a, a specific practice of mindfulness than meditation? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. So mindfulness is 
bringing your awareness and your attention to whatever you're doing at that time. Um, and meditation tends to be a specific practice, a way, a, 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 like a, a moment of mindfulness, but with your attention focused on one specific thing. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I recently got into yoga in this, this, this semester basically. And, um, you know, I guess that would be another kind of mindfulness practice, um, that involves some meditation to it. And, um, it's something that I've become reinterested in. It was something I, I started with playing around with a while back and, I, I had some experiences that were quite profound where you, you feel like you kind of leave your body. Um, and then, you know, kind of just got out of practice and, and I've started to kind of, you know, become more invested in it again recently, you know, before I, I practice yoga is, it's kind of when I, when I try, you know, to really center myself and get ready and, and kind of clear everything that's been clogging up my brain. Um, so yeah, it's good to hear the, the description and it's, a good follow-up, I think, to the, the mindfulness episode. That's great. Yeah, yoga is really an incredible doorway into our minds because it's funny because it's a practice that is, is, is usually, especially the way that we practice yoga here, like with the asanas and the postures, you think that it's like an exercise class, but it's a very ancient, almost science of the body that um, once we really open up and drop into the movements of the body and the lessons it has to teach us, then I think what you're saying is exactly right. You can't help but your heart opens. You feel, you know, incredibly connected to life. I mean, my husband would say, you know, he can't touch his toes and he's like the least um, flexible person in the world. And so he's he's had issues with yoga um, in that way. But I think the spirit of yoga is exactly what you're saying. I um I empathize with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> I have a long lineage of bad genes related to hamstrings and whatnot, and yeah. and it was what and it was like really you know I'm turning forty next year, and it's like you start to feel those things that just don't go away quick you know as quick, and like I was kind of that's like kind of the, the driver. I, I've been dealing with this you know tendonitis injury and. You know, I'm just like, I got to, I take good care of myself, but I just, I, I was lacking that like flexibility and, and just seems like my body was like, you know, not, you know, as responsive. And I think this is definitely sort of the right path to kind of getting in that. So hold out hope. Maybe your husband will, uh, will come around. Cause I, I definitely I had some. Hope. I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you, you touched on a couple of different techniques or, or different types of medication, medication, <laughs> uh, meditation. I was wondering if you could just kind of go into those a little bit more about maybe just like the different, are there different categories or, or somebody were just starting out and was like, uh, yeah, I'm really interested, but I don't even know where to start. Like in terms of like being able to identify what would be good for me. Uh, can you break down like the different major types? Sure. So it's, uh, it, it often depends on what you're seeking meditation for. So if you're particularly just feeling like your life is so crazy and stressed and you want to drop into a, the feeling of feeling calm again or to catch your breath or even to just take a moment and realize like what is happening in my life, uh, a really, really the one of the best places to start for beginners is just a simple 
well, it's simple, but it's not always easy practice of um, just staying with the breath for short starting with a very short period of time. And what I mean by that is that normally our minds are always, always going. Our, we're racing around in thoughts about the future, thoughts about the past, complete distraction on our phones. And so what we do in a meditation, uh, in a breath meditation, is that we put all of that to the side for a moment, for this little bit of time that you set aside. And you can either, to begin with, it's often best to start with the guidance of some kind, either through a teacher or through an app. And you, you're, you're trying to really relax the body, come into the body, find where you feel the breath most prominently, either in your belly, in your chest, or at the tip of the nose, and just stay there with the breath as it rises and falls. And you try and really bring all of your attention. And you can do it if you're listening right now. You can kind of do it at home with me. You can really feel your body sitting on the chair or walking or standing on the subway, wherever you are. Really feel that connection with the chair. You can if it's safe, if you're not driving or anything, you can put a hand on your chest, a hand on your belly, and just feel the movement of the air as it comes in and goes out. And for just this period of time, as your thoughts are racing around, meditation is not about stopping the thoughts. It's about just shifting our attention over and over again back to this point of focus. So that might be this breath, the in and the out breath. Or it might be the feeling of your body on the chair or the feeling of the bottom of your feet on the ground. And then as your mind wanders away and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm lost, you just notice I, I was having thoughts of the future, I was having thoughts of the past. You just you know give them a very soft label and you return back. And that's what that type of meditation is. It's a constant flying away of attention and a bringing back of attention. And the goal is not to have zero thoughts at all. I don't know if that happens unless you're dead. The goal is really just to keep coming back over and over again and witnessing what is happening. What's, what's happening in my mind? What's happening in my body? What's happening in my surroundings? So that's um, really the, the most simplified form of meditation, although it's very challenging if you've never done it before. And just know that it gets easier and it's not as crazy making for beginners. Often that type of meditation can feel really frenzied because you're just constantly thinking, constantly trying to bring your attention back and you're kind of going back and forth. It does get easier. Yeah, it does. It does take practice is what I was going to say. And um, yeah, I definitely would, would agree with starting with, you know, some sort of guided um, meditation, whether it be yeah, live with somebody or in a class or like, yeah, as you said, there's many different apps or podcasts and stuff that do it um, because it does give you at least something to focus on in the beginning because it's hard um, to just be like, you know, just focus on, well, it's not really focusing on nothing. Like you said, on your breath and um, where you are in the moment. So, okay. So now let's talk a little bit about the re like what it can do. <laughs> um, I am a researcher at heart, so I'm always interested in, you know, the science behind things and the evidence. So is there anything you could talk about in terms of like evidence that supports meditation for different various 
positive benefits that college students would in particular would be interested in? Yes. So the type of meditation I just mentioned is a kind of a concentration practice is what they're called. Um, but there's other types of meditation practices, some uh, many of which I write about in the book that have to do with sitting with very difficult emotions as they come up. So I specifically focus on fear, anger, and desire. And so working with each one of these emotions or any other emotions that's coming and taking over and you're feeling like you're totally lost in it, there's a practice um, with the acronym RAIN that I learned from Tara Brock. And she's a wonderful meditation teacher. And it stands for recognize, accept, inquire, and nourish. And so, um, and so that's a, an entire type of meditation that you can do if you're feeling, um, you know, over, overcome with emotion. And then uh, uh, there's a, another type of meditation that one can do that I also include in the book that's called metta or loving kindness practice about sending out love to oneself, to somebody you love, to a difficult person, and then to the whole world. So there have been various studies that have been done about each of these different types of meditation. By far, the most amount of studies are done on the just typical breath meditation. Um, and most of those studies are about the incredibly long list of benefits that um, that have been proven, at least according to these, this research, um, that help, that meditation can help. So some of the standards are with um, high blood pressure, anxiety, um, depression, and, uh, and, and there was even a study about um, how meditation in advanced meditators, or not even advanced meditators, just people that had done an eight-week course of meditation, and, uh, and then when they came versus um, a group of people that had not, so it was a, um, a, a randomized study, and what they found was that the meditation among the people, the, the results of among the people that had meditated is a growth in gray matter in the brain, um, which increases uh, a lot of focus and um, feelings of being present and helpful decision making, which is all the more like um, uh, evolutionarily newer parts of the brain of the frontal cortex. Um, and it had reduced sort of reactionary decision making and knee jerk reactions that have that come more from the more primitive side of the brain. So those kinds of uh, neuroscientific studies are really, really interesting. They also have done studies on soldiers and on um, uh, another population that I'm forgetting right now, but um, people that have a high tendency towards uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. They found that meditation can be an incredibly helpful tool for post-traumatic stress disorder. And so there's there's just this very long list of kind of physical um, benefits to the practice that I think if you try it out for yourself, you can really start to understand why. But to me, perhaps like the most exciting studies that are coming out now are the ones that are actually looking at 
um, these more squishy topics of compassion, like can meditation make you a nicer person? Can it make you more compassionate? Um, can it help you to relate and connect better with others? And there was a, a nor joint Northeastern Harvard study a few years ago, and I read about this in the book, that um, that measured, they did a kind of uh, a, a uh, like an experiment basically with meditators and non-meditators and they had the people they had all these different groups in a room and uh, they had a person walk in who the meditators or the the participants didn't know was an actor and the person was walking in on crutches and trying to kind of get in the door and struggling and having a hard time on the crutches getting through the door and they found that among the non-meditating group about 40% of the participants would go up and try and help. And among the meditating group, 80% of the participants. So, you know, that's one study. I don't know how legitimate it is, but more and more of those types of studies are coming out looking at this promising um, trend towards meditation in a way of building compassion. And so I think that's really interesting too, because, you know, in college is a time of like, tumultuous relationships at least it was for me and so if, if meditation can help in those situations i think it's um it can be really really useful yeah yeah that's that's helpful i, I think about i'm just thinking about that that study you just referenced and i'm like i wonder if it has something to do too like if it's not just compassion but maybe just like self-awareness or just like an awareness of your surroundings too like you just know you just become more aware of like oh you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't, was too caught up in my own thoughts. I didn't even notice that person over there needing help. Um, but either way, you know, that's a good outcome as well. You know, that's certainly, you know, one of the reasons I'm, I've been into this kind of stuff is for that self-awareness aspect. Um, yeah. And actually, those two things are not so different. Like no. the Dalai Lama talks about that he, that it's actually extremely self-interested to be, selfless and that's a really good thing because you it's it benefits you to be kind of more aware and more present to your surroundings and then you can't help but then help people when you're when you're attuned to them so mm -hmm. I, I totally agree with you the other thing that i found interesting in, in your response there was the discussion about gray matter and in knowing you know a little bit about um you know the uh, epidemiology of mental illness, we do know some of it is, you know, genetic and that there are actual physical changes to the brain when you compare people with mental illness um, through MRI to those without it. And it does seem to impact gray matter. Um, so it's, it's extremely um, encouraging to hear, you know, studies like that, that you can actually, you know, use meditation to potentially restore some of that gray matter, you know, that could be lost, you know, for whatever reason, or through, you know, genetics, you just um, aren't as, you know, fortunate. Um, so that's yeah. really cool, too. Yes. Uh, so if we think about college students, they may not be caring about gray matter <laughs> right now. <laughs> Um, but what are the things that you find on NYU campus that that seem to really that meditation seems to give college students in particular? You know, are they getting better grades? Are they reporting, you know, 
less stress or is it just, you know, anecdotal, anecdotal, like what have you found to be the particular benefits for co- the college student population as, as they've talked to you about it? Yes. So we are working with a faculty member here at NYU on a study um, that will get a little closer to answering that question from a more scientific point of view, Mm -hmm. um, looking at whether or not meditation helps people, particularly this study is around math scores um, and people in math that are studying math. So that's probably the more... um, The hard answer I can tell you is we don't really know. Um, Mm -hmm. From anecdotal evidence, I can tell you people tell me every single day, and it's my story too, of how much these practices can help them, particularly in a few specific ways. One of them is um, really helping them to find uh, to, to be able to tap into their emotional world and to be able to feel emotions without being completely slept, swept away by them. And if we're going to drill down even further into that, particularly dealing with anxiety. So what all, you know, a whole slew of new articles has come out recently about how this next generation, they're calling them iGen or Generation Z, that this younger population underneath millennials, um, they are the, they have these numbers that are kind of off the charts when it comes to stress, anxiety, and depression. And so I'm seeing, you know, with my own eyes that that um, profound uh, help that these practices can do to help us look at our own minds, to help us look at our own hearts and our emotional worlds and to help process and deal with the what we see there. And that's what my students are reporting over and over again, especially with anxiety. And then I think the other thing um, is just noticing what the students are coming to, what they're asking for more of. And in our case, it seems like that falls into different two large categories. One is some of our most popular programs that we've ever had are about the intersection of meditation and relationships or meditation and sex. And that's not a huge surprise because I think people in this age are experimenting with relationships and sex for the either for the first time or in a, in a major way. And and there's no real guidance from people who are wise and who have processed a lot of this stuff and, um, ta- and are, are feel okay and open enough to talk about it. And so our events, our mindful sex events, have probably been the most popular events we've ever held. <laughs> and they fill to the brim, and there are people there that like probably have never meditated a day in their life, and they're just hungry for information and for like a safe and... Um, positive environment to talk about how, what to do with all of these feelings and these complicated situations. And then I would say the other large category is um, is really about social justice and social change and how can young people who have uh, the lowest opinion of every age group of our current administration um, and they feel very disempowered in, in the political realm. And how can they s- use these practices to help them stay in 
the fight for justice in a sustainable way. And so I think those are the, the big themes that come up over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can understand that. Um, so I see definitely students at Rutgers, not too far away from you, um, oh. you know, reporting very similar issues. And I think, you know, uh, the, the types of practices you talked about can certainly aid in, in helping people come, to, you know, feel more at ease. So what about uh, if we think about goals for a minute? This this podcast is really, that's kind of why I started it, is, is I was looking around and seeing college students struggling because they were so focused on college and, and there's such a there's such pressure based on, you know, the cost and, um, you know, the, 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 the drive to succeed. And I think that the stress is a byproduct. And I was also seeing that, you know, that people were putting a lot of other personal goals on hold and, and letting their, you know, letting them fall by the wayside because, you know, of school, you know, and they were, you know, drinking too much or, you know, not paying attention to their waiter. You're wanting to start an exercise or meditation program for forever, but just never could get over that hump of, of trying something. And I, I wanted to kind of help people set goals and then, you know, walk them through some strategies and, give them some tools over the course of the semester so that by the end that they could say, hey, I achieved something, you know, in addition to getting through the semester. So how do you think meditation can help when it comes to goal achievement? Um, Any any ideas? And, And a lot of times we're thinking about, you know, it can be some of the things we talked about, but it might also be, you know, like more recovery related goals of, you know, learning to cope and, um, you know, things related to substance abuse as well? Yes. Um, it's a great question. And uh, the answer is, the answer, there are many answers and, you know, they can probably take for hours, which we don't have. But I think, um, I think that in a, in a couple of major ways, the, the first one is that I think what the, the struggle with, um, a lot of young people in college, particularly when you worked really hard to get there, when it costs a lot of money, or you're taking out debt, and I know that's a lot of people, and they're not always sure how they're going to pay it off, or if they're going to get a job, and they, they're carrying just a ton of pressure, plus that kind of nameless pressure of um, you're supposed to just find your dream job that really has tons of meaning in it at the same time as that it pays the bills. So I think there is a lot on on young people today, uh, for sure. And so I think what these practices do is not to take away that um, that progress driven narrative uh, the narrative or the hard work that it takes to, to get through college and to do well. But almost to just continually take pauses and take breaks so that people, that each person for themselves can reassess, can find their worth regardless of where they're at in their larger journey of getting through college and getting good grades and getting a job and can find who they are and find their voice um, in breaks away from just this um, professional journey. And that's really, really hard to do. And so um, the first is just kind of taking breaks and dropping in into themselves. The second is 
the, the you know talking about research studies there's a lot of research out there that says actually when we think we're multitasking which is what most people do who are busy and successful they think we think we're multitasking jumping from thing to thing we're actually being less um productive than we would be if we really were focused on one thing at a time very focused on what we're doing at that time if we're talking to someone we're present with them if we're you know checking email we're present with the email and it's a shift in perception because it doesn't feel like that that would help us but more and more um, productivity experts and brain experts say that every time we think we're multitasking what we're doing is wasting energy slipping cognitively from one thing to the next and then having to get caught up again and wasting time so these mindfulness and meditation practices that slow us down and that keep us present with what we're doing can actually boost productivity at the same time as they can give us some important rest periods um, and then I think I think the final piece is just the truth that the more that we know ourselves and you talked about self-awareness and this has definitely been true for me that the more the more I really understand my own triggers and the things that bother me and the things that um, give me meaning and that are important to me, I think the more uh, effective we are in our lives, in all parts of our life, from our academic journey to our professional journey. And so um, so I think that that is just really, really helpful to build in a new voice of self-understanding and self-compassion as we go along these very uh, goal-oriented journeys. Yeah, I really... <clears throat> I really like that answer and especially the idea of, you know, giving ourselves kind of permission to take breaks and, you know, not have to, you know, feel like it's always full speed ahead, you know. Um, yes, which especially with smartphones and the speed of information, most of us are moving at like a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, the, the study that I originally got hired by Rutgers to do was, was looking at just that we were teaching college students with, um, you know, psychiatric disabilities, uh, ex uh, cognitive remediation. And that was um, one of the, the things I was the, the CogRem specialist. So I was the one teaching it to them. And it was one of the big things I would harp on is this idea of you think you're being more productive when you're multitasking, but you're really not. And yeah, I, so you I, actually probably know way more about that than I do. And I would, I would empathize because I would, I would tell them, like, I get it. Like, my brain wants to multitask, too. It gets bored doing the same thing for too long. Yeah. But, you know. The evidence is pretty clear on it, you know. Um, so I, I fight the I fight the urge as well, along with my students. Yeah. Um, amazing story that I, t I tell the students a lot about. Um, it's a Zen story about a, a little girl who is running from a tiger, and the tiger's running behind her, and she gets to the edge of a cliff, and she um, the tiger's about to catch up, and then she looks down the sheer edge of the cliff, and there's one vine, and she climbs down the vine. The tiger's snarling at the top, and she's holding onto the vine, and below her is the sheer cliff, and then she looks up, and she sees teeny tiny mice gnawing away at the vine. So the lion's there, the mice are gnawing, and there's the cliff, 
and she looks to the left and there's nothing and she looks to the right and she sees a little strawberry growing on a on the on the side of the cliff and so she picks the strawberry she tastes the strawberry and then she says so sweet and that's the end of the story and everybody laughs because it's like what you know how is that a resolution to that story but i think it very it really resonates after you let it sink in for a little bit about that's how we feel our lives are. You know, this endless running from things that are chasing us. And then the way that she's able to just taste the strawberry, that is what life is for, to actually sink into life and to taste life before it's over. And so I love that story. (laughs) I do too. I can't believe I'm going to tell this, but I, I kind of do a similar thing sometimes where I, it usually happens when I'm walking my dog where I'll just like, like look up at the sky and I'll be like, hmm, I'm going to take a moment and enjoy the fact that everything's like pretty cool right now, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah. There you go. So, all right. This has been a really, really cool interview. I got one one question left for you, kind of for faculty. So I'm a faculty member, and we have faculty members, faculty that listen in as well that are, you know, invested in seeing their students improve, you know, when it comes to um, mental health and wellness. And I firmly put this this topic of meditation in, in there. Um, what suggestions or what would you say to faculty who are interested in supporting students um, to kind of be more meditative I had to look that up and make sure it was a word um, <laughs> in their in their schoolwork and in their in their college career you know to a larger extent is there any any suggestions you have there yeah I think um, well there are uh, there are faculty that actually build in moments of silence or moments where just allowing people to kind of collect themselves and bring themselves to the present moment, even just like a minute or two before class starts. Um, so you can go as far as that if you feel, if you felt kind of comfortable with that. Um, and if you weren't quite there yet, I think just encouraging students to do the things that we talked about a little bit earlier to take care of themselves, to take pauses, to remember that there's a bigger picture out there and that they are more than their grades and, um, and, and really just to kind of serve as examples that they can, because I think young people go to faculty a lot to, um, because they look up to them. Students look up to faculty. I definitely did with my teachers. And I think to, to serve as a model of like what that could look like to, um, to, to live this kind of expansive life. And I think that they have an incredible amount of power to influence the students in that way, um, to encourage them to find meditation groups if that if that felt right or to, to, to develop a practice or to use an app just to help their mental well-being as well as potentially to help their focus and their work on the grades. And so, uh, so yeah, I would say do, do as much as you feel comfortable, but, um, but please do because the students really, really respect what faculty have to say. Yeah. And I think it's becoming more and more like acceptable to, to kind of in, embed these types of, you know, practices and just, you know, giving attention to this, 
this idea more and more as, uh, as yeah. the, can- the college community becomes aware of the need. So it's like Dan Harris says, he's um, wrote the book 10% happier. He's like a news anchor. And he talks about how like in the 1950s, if someone was saying they're going to go running, you'd ask like, who's chasing you? It was such a running was like such a strange foreign idea. But now with meditation, I think it's becoming exactly like kind of like running. Like this is something that's really useful and good for your health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then that case, if people are interested in learning more, uh, they should check out your book. What now meditation for your 20s and beyond by uh, our guest today, Yael Shai. Um, where could uh, people find the book if they're interested? They can find it anywhere, Amazon, bookstores, anywhere, most well, most anywhere books are sold, I would say. Okay. Um, and then if you want to find out, I'm kind of touring through the country and going plenty of places. And so if you want to find out more about me, just look up yaelshy.com or I'm all over social media so you can find me there as well. Okay. I will put a link to your website and is also to uh, the book and Amazon. It's easy for people in the show notes for today's episode. So be sure to check those out, everybody. Uh, Really appreciated having you on the show today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Derek. Thanks for all you do. Appreciate it. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. I really did get a lot out of it uh, as well. So for this week, what do you guys want to be thinking about for your goal? Uh, As we are rounding out week 13, uh, we have only two more weeks, which means two more episodes of the podcast to go before I take a little bit of a hiatus for the holidays to enjoy some time with my family and uh, some time off. Uh, I have a cruise coming up in January. I'm really psyched about with uh, my whole mom's side of my family, pretty much. So I have some stuff to really look forward to that I'm grateful for. Um, So let's put our noses to the grindstone for these next two weeks and really try and uh, finish things out on a strong note, both in your classes on campus as well as in your personal goals that you might be working on. So for this week, plan out some ways to wrap up your goal if achievement is in sight. Um, Also check out some different programs on campus related to mindfulness, meditation, and other practices that can help with the things we discussed today. So you may not have done this ever or for a while, and there may be new things, um, but to kind of check out your, maybe it'd be the Office of Student Health. Uh, You might have to go through, you know, the... um, you know, the physical health clinics that they might have set up on your campus to get this info. Uh, That's the thing. It may not be super easy to find, but if you, you know, if you Google your school's name and mindfulness training or meditation or um, wellness, you know, see what comes up as uh, wellness services that might be offered. Uh, And you might be able to get some, you know, start your search there. Um, Because I think there really isn't a goal I can think of that would not benefit from sort of incorporating some of these mindfulness slash meditation practices into, you know, when either it's clarifying what it is you really want, you know, the early stages of goal setting or meditating when times get tough and you're really frustrated and struggling. Um, So 
again, you you may be totally turned off by this stuff, in which case, meh, I'm not going to be off talking about it much more this semester. So um, it's you're you're good for now. I'll I'll come up with something next different for next week. Um, but you, at the very least, then should be thinking about how to, how you're wrapping up your goal. You know, um, if you're getting close to achievement. If you're not, maybe it's you know you want to take stock. You want to maybe. Um, pivot a little bit and change up what you're trying to work on for these last few weeks or start thinking about a goal for the spring semester, you know, either something completely new or a modification of this goal or of a continuation of it in some way. So, all right. With that, I will be signing off for this week. Have a kick-ass week and weekend. Uh, again, end is in sight, guys. A couple more weeks. I'll be there with you, counting it down. Have a great week, everyone. Peace.